Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Reverend Joel Ayer is the president and founder of Living Faith Foundation, a group of churches worldwide. He is a dynamic servant of God who has maintained a consistent walk with the Lord for over 30 years. God has used him tremendously to minister the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ with powerful signs and wonders and remarkable testimonies as a result. He is the architect behind the Sorting Out program a unique and highly effective residential program based on revelatory biblical teachings and prayer. A trained engineer, Reverend Joe also has an honorary doctorate degree in theology. He is happily married to Pastor Florence Olaya and they are blessed with children. Please join me in welcoming Reverend Joe Olaya to the Pursuit of God Conference 2021. Welcome to the Pursuit of God 2021. It's a new day of destiny. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this new day of destiny. Thank you because every purpose you have ordained concerning every man shall come to pass. Thank you and thank you because before we spend the very first day of our lives, Every day was written in your book. We ask, Lord, by your spirit, that you will guide us individually and collectively and take us to the place of fulfillment of our destiny. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The two anchor scriptures I will read, Song of Solomon and um, Isaiah. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 11 to 13 and Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 to 19. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth her green figs, and the vines with the tender grapes give a good smell. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Isaiah 43, verse 18. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, and you shall know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. May the Lord bless the reading of his words in Jesus' name. The time of winter. It's the time of long nights, of prolonged darkness, and freezing cold. Everything moves towards inactivity. Despair, dejection, and depression characterize living. As the winter winds down and passes away, the summer approaches. Life begins to sprout again. Trees are budding, and the greens are sprouting. The flowers begin to blossom while the singing birds are returning. The green figs begin to ripe, become ripe as the grapes begin to give forth their fragrance. It's a new beginning because the winter is over. The adversary of your destiny has one thing in focus. To destroy your destiny and make you to live an unfulfilled life. What is destiny? God told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I ordained you a prophet. Before you were born, you have been made a prophet. That means there was a destiny, a writing concerning him, a, div a divine, defined destination 
divinely defined destination. Something was written about, about he, prophet Jeremiah. If you look at Jeremiah chapter 1 and you look at verse 5, God said it consistently. Before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. So I ask you, what is it that has been written concerning you? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I separated you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So you see, Jeremiah coming into the world and choosing to be a carpenter is going to be a total failure. My prayer for you today is that for every one of you under the sound of my voice, in the name of Jesus, you will fulfill your destiny. Because a man is at his best when he fulfills, he discovers his destiny and fulfills it. But there are many things that rise up against fulfillment of destiny. David was a man after God's heart. He had been ordained before his birth that he would deliver Israel from the Philistines. The same thing was Samson. So God had ordained Jeremiah a prophet. I, I remember God speaking about one Cyrus in the book of Isaiah chapter 45. In fact, beginning from chapter 4. 150 years before Cyrus was born and about 200 years before the fulfillment of his assignment, he was already named by God that one Cyrus will come that will restore Israel to authority. The same thing goes for one Josiah. 280 years before he was born, or even 300 years before he was born, he was named and his assignment was defined that he was going to destroy the altar on which people were sacrificing to idols in Israel. He was not the only one. John the Baptist was foreknown that he would be a foreigner and the prophets had spoken that he would be coming in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus and to point Jesus. So I dare to say to you that whatever has been written concerning you in the name of Jesus Christ, you will fulfill it. So every time I look at mankind and I look at men, there are so many people walking the streets of the nations, of the cities. There are so many people wandering around, living far from their destiny. Today I will present the case of some sons of destiny whom the enemy tried to fight their destiny. Jacob, I will start with him. He had an adversary from the womb. And there are so many of us whom the adversary started attacking our destinies from the womb because the adversary saw that there was going to be something about us. There was something about Jacob. He was destined from the womb to be the flag bearer of the Abrahamic covenant in his generation. What am I saying? There was a covenant God made with Abraham. And this covenant is that his seed will bring blessing, restore blessing to every family in the earth. That was the core of the covenant. That Abraham will inherit the world. That a particular child of Abraham will be responsible for bringing mankind back to their original destinies and blessing. This restorer of destiny, this redeemer of mankind was going to be a seed of Abraham. So Abraham, you are specifically raised up that you might bring forth this seed. Somehow, the enemy didn't want that seed to come, and he attacked Abraham's family with barrenness. So Sarah could not bring forth. There was something, there, there is something about Abraham's lineage. Sarah could not bring forth until after 25 years of the promise. Finally, Sarah had a son. Before then, she had even given her right to bring forth a son to a slave woman that had given birth to one Ishmael, who was parading himself as the prince and the heir of Abraham. Until God spoke and said, no, this Ishmael shall not be. The child of destiny is Isaac. So Sarah had Isaac. And then again, Isaac had twins. After 20 years of delay, Satan used the same barrenness to attack Rebekah. I pray for you that every tool that Satan has 
put in your lineage to attack your destiny will be destroyed in the name of Jesus Christ. For 20 years, Isaac and Rebekah waited for a child, and when God will bless them, twins came into their womb. But as one of them, Jacob, he was supposed to be the elder. He was supposed to be the flag bearer of the covenant. But Satan did a smart one and raised the other boy to fight him right from the womb and to come out before him. Therefore, securing the right of first to be blessed by coming out first. Forces were set against him to usurp his position and take over his lot. His little stature was used to deprive him of his coming forth, forth from the womb. But he found himself trailing behind his brother. He would not give up. He held his brother by the heels. And as his brother was born, his hands were on his heels. While the children were in the womb, there was a lot of fighting and struggling between them. And Rebecca dared to ask God, God, why is there so much commotion in my womb? God said, there are two nations in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. So saying that the firstborn will serve the secondborn. So in essence, the one that actually ought to be the leader and the firstborn is Jacob, not Esau. So the man who was meant to be the first became the second and lost the first right of access to the covenant blessings of Abraham. How will he recover his position and become the true covenant flag bearer in his generation? What I want to tell you, no matter how great the obstacle is, no matter how seemingly irreversible the challenge is, the situation is, never give up your vision. Keep pursuing until you reach the goal. No matter the obstacles, your faith and resoluteness will bet the opportunity that will eventually overturn the impossibilities of your time. From the womb, Jacob was striving to recover his position. From the womb, he was fighting hard. I will not let you go. I will get back my position. So Jacob, on his journey to recovery, it was first his shrewdness in spotting opportunities and grabbing them swiftly. Secondly, it was his character and virtue in honoring his parents and abiding in the fear of God and godliness. These two things will work together for Jacob. In Genesis chapter 25, verse 31 to 34, Jacob spotted an opportunity to recover the birthright from, from Esau. He knew as long as Esau was there, he would be the first to get the blessing. And true to the fact, on the day that Isaac wanted to give out the blessing, he sent for Esau. He had loved Esau as his firstborn. This is my heir. This is my prince. I will pass on this covenant that I received from Abraham to Esau. How will Jacob get this back? So he spotted an opportunity. He knew that Esau did not have value for that birthright. He did not have value for the covenant blessing. So one day, Esau came hungry and was asking for food. Jacob told him, I will have your birthright, then I can let you have all the food. But because he, Esau, had little value for this eternal covenant, he had more value for food than the eternal covenant. May you not trade your eternal blessing for temporal ones. Why should a man keep what he has no value for? Esau dispersed his birthright. And all that came with it, while Jacob had great value for the birthright because of his value for the covenant. Why was Jacob looking for the birthright? He wanted the covenant blessings. He wanted it first. He didn't want the remnant of it. He wanted the very, very core of the blessing. See how many believers today are trading their eternal life. Trading their eternal life and giving it up for temporary things. One temporary position, political appointment. You compromise your faith. You deny Jesus. You bow to the devil. You want money. Just a little hardship. And then you sacrifice your virtue. You give yourself for free sex. Because you just want temporary freedom, temporary promotion, things that will not last. Transient things. Trading the entire life for mundane things. 
They trade everlasting treasures for free, for fleeting glories and transient pleasures. Jacob was ready to pay any amount to recover what he lost in the womb, and he got it back. It was mission accomplished. He fought until he recovered his destiny. Jacob says, sell me your birthright this day. Swear to me this day. So Esau swore to him and sold his birthright. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank and he went his way. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. Yes, people despise eternal life, but we hold on to it. I remember when God called me to ministry. It looked like I was living the valuable for the useless, for the trash. But today, the story is confirmed. What I actually left was trash. For Jacob, it was a marriage of brain and character, brilliance and virtue that delivered the true and lasting victory to him. Victory without character could not be sustained, cannot be sustained. For Jacob, he had value for the right things. For Jacob, he had character, he feared God. For Jacob, he wanted things of eternal value. For Jacob, he was brilliant, he was smart. Jacob finally rests from Esau, the birthright, using his brain coupled with character and patience. Yes. He took advantage of the opportunities that presented themselves. How many times has God given you opportunity to recover your destiny and you are careless with it? He got the birthright that gave him the access, the right of first access to the covenant blessings of Abraham. He was on his way to start a new life. He, Isaac, that was reluctant to let him have it, eventually called him in Genesis chapter 28 from verse 1 to 5. Genesis 28, 1 to 5. Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and said to him, don't follow the worthless, useless, lawless ways of your brother Esau. Go and take a wife from Padan Aram. Don't take a wife from among these Canaanites because to marry wrongly is to ruin the covenant. And then he said, may God Almighty bless you. And make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become an assembly of great nations. The Lord give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants, that you may inherit the land which you are a stranger upon. So Jacob got it. He's got the blessing of Abraham. And he's on his way to start the new life. Then God confirmed it in Genesis 28 verse 13. He said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father. In you and your seeds, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you all the way that you go. Jacob has got more than gold. He has got more than silver. He has got more than porridge. He has got more than food. He has got more than transient pleasures. The initial reluctance of Isaac to give Jacob the blessing was broken when he saw the worthless lifestyle of Esau, the ungodly lifestyle of Esau. Do you know that many people today have been Stripped of their destinies because of ungodliness. Think about it. What is your lifestyle? He knew that the covenant would be lost in the hands of a man that is living a lawless life. He knew that the covenant blessings of Jacob would be lost, of, of Abraham would be lost if he gave it to Esau. He knew it would not survive. So I ask you, do you have the virtue required for a great destiny? If not, start cultivating one today. Why do you need to commit a treasure to a child destitute of character when you have a slave endowed with great virtues? Think of it. If you don't have the virtue required for great destiny, start cultivating it now. What is it? Cultivate the fear of God. Cultivate holiness. Cultivate righteousness. Cultivate godliness. If you want to last. You have a child, you have a slave. But your child is living a worthless life like Esau. Why commit a great treasure to a child destitute of character when you have a slave endowed with great virtues? Why don't you change the status of that slave and make him yours? It is better to entrust your estate to a wise slave and elevate him to the status of a son than to entrust your estate to a foolish son who will ruin the entire estate. What is your joy? To ruin the estate or to preserve it? So I speak to you today. If you are a son of a great man and you truly want to involve, inherit the greatness of your father, then be a worthy son by adding virtue to yourself. Today we are going to pray. Immediately we are going to pray to reposition you to your destiny, for your destiny. Something happened in Jacob's life and it was repositioned. 
The day he got that birthright, by the consent of Esau, that day he was repositioned. So if you are going to pray, let's pray now. Rise up to, to pray. Prayer number one. Father, reposition me to recover my destiny in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and pray that prayer. Father, reposition me to recover my destiny in the name of Jesus. Lord, realign my life, restore my life, that my original destiny, I will recover it. Reposition me in the name of Jesus. Prayer number two. Father, dislodge anyone and any structure that has been put in place from the womb or after birth to displace me from my rightful position in Jesus' name. He... There was a tradition that only the firstborn should be given the covenant blessing. But God needed to do something about it. And Jacob desired it and it came. So, let's pray the prayer. Father, dislodge anyone and any structure that has been put in place from the womb or after my birth to displace me from the rightful position in Jesus' name. So, go ahead and pray that prayer. Pray it more. Just a few seconds. Then, prayer number three. Father, give me the opportunity to recover my true position, to fulfill my destiny in the name of Jesus. Father, give me the opportunity. And when you give me the opportunity, Father, help me to recognize it. Go ahead and pray the prayer. Father, give me the opportunity to recover my true position, to fulfill my destiny in the name of Jesus. And the last prayer for this segment. Father, empower and reposition me to recover and fulfill my destiny in the name of Jesus. Father, empower and reposition me to recover and fulfill my destiny in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you. Lord, I pray now, reposition your children. Empower your children. Create the opportunities that they may recover their original destinies in Jesus' name. Amen. So, just after he escaped and recovered his destiny and left home, he met a destiny hijacker. In Genesis chapter 29, verse 25, Laban, the destiny hijacker, saw glory about Jacob. You know, there are people you are working with. They have seen that you're a gold getter. They have seen your star. There are people that you are living around them. They have seen that anything that you do works well. So they want to enslave you. They want to capture you and make you a servant so that they can use you to make their own money, make their own wealth, and so on. So when Jacob got to Laban's house and began to display his, to showcase his, 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 his ability, his capabilities, they found that he was an excellent shepherd, that he was a brilliant shepherd, and they found that there was something about Jacob that whatever he handled prospered and thrived. Within one month, they saw the remarkable difference in their flock, and they said, wow, we need to find a way of keeping this boy here. If this one can work for us for the next year, it was a workaholic. Day and night was a tireless worker. <coughs> so they said to him, what do we offer you since you work so hard? We don't want you to work for nothing. He said, well, I don't know what you can pay me, but I want to marry a girl here. He said, so what do you pay for? I said, he said well, I'll serve you for seven years. So they said, seven years? Wow. In seven years, this guy will make us millionaires and billionaires. We have seen this man. He will make us billionaires. And then we have a lot of wicked in-laws, wicked people who want to enslave people. So they went in and held a meeting and said, well, seven years will soon be gone. We can make it 14 years. Let's give him the wrong wife. So they positioned Leah, and he was given the wrong wife. After sleeping with her, he couldn't return her. He discovered her the next morning, and Jacob was angry. So Rachel said, but I'm supposed to be your wife. So he signed another bond, and that made, that made Jacob's sojourn to become 14 years instead of seven years. So it came to pass, Genesis 29, 25, in the morning, that behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this that you have done to me? Was it not Richard, for Richard that I served you? Why have you then deceived me? Jacob again was deprived of his choice wife and given the body to serve for longer because they realized that there was a glory, fortune, and blessings and that accompanied him so much that everything he touched prospered extraordinarily. Thus, they wanted to enslave him. Today, I'm praying for you, praying for myself, praying for my children, praying for your children, and I'm decreeing today that in the name of Jesus, 
Anyone that has seen your glory, seen your star, that's it's, instead of allowing you to go and shine, say, say he's going to imprison you. In the name of Jesus, may that prison be shattered. So after 14 years, they still did not want him to go. Then Jacob said, no. In these 14 years, you have cheated me sufficiently. Now, if I'm still going to serve you, I will be the paymaster. So Joseph, Jacob devised a way to be his own paymaster and to pay them. So he became the paymaster. He was paying himself and paying them. And in six years, he was extremely richer, legitimately richer, greater than them, to the point that they were plotting to kill him. The destiny hijacking had failed. For their own selfish end, they wanted to keep Jacob and make him a servant. Laban himself said, I know that it is through you that God has blessed us. If God has blessed you through him, why do you want to perpetuate him in slavery? Why don't you let him go also? So, Jacob, destiny was to be hijacked. But he found his way and he escaped. Unfortunately, the wife he didn't want started having children, and the wife he actually wanted could not have a child for the next 14 years. Barrenness came again to derail his destiny. Because there's a child that had been ordained to come from Rachel's womb that will be the flag bearer of this Abraham's covenant in the, that in the next generation. That child was Joseph, and Satan went and blocked the womb, blocked the womb of, of Rachel to stop the child. Again, natural forces seem to have collaborated against Jacob to deprive Rachel of their, their covenant child. That is the child of destiny called Joseph. It was that child that will eventually become, it is that child that will eventually become the flag bearer of the Abraham's covenant in the generation of Jacob's children. But that child was not to come until after 14 years. Then as soon as the child came, he became the victim of the envy of his brethren because his father loved him and openly declared that this one, though he has arrived 14 years later, he is going to be the next flag bearer. Listen to me. Those who are destined from greatness are either identified by the adversary from the womb or as soon as they are born. The plot to stop great destinies includes great obstacles. And those things begin to come. It is because of the greatness ahead of you that you are facing all those great challenges. The greater the obstacle on your path, the greater the height of fulfillment. And those who hold to God in faith will eventually win. I want to encourage you that victory is only sure as you stand in faith and in godliness. The conspiracy of natural, human, and satanic forces could not prevail. Rachel had a child. Joseph was born. The use of barrenness to delay Joseph from being born. And the conspiracies of ungodly brothers to outwit them or destroy their destinies. The ungodly in-laws to destroy or hijack their destinies did not, did not succeed. The enemy, through those designs, intends that you will not fulfill your destiny. But God allows you to face those challenges, using them as stepping stones to take you to greater height. Joseph was the child of destiny, and the conspiracy of his wicked brothers could not stop him. I want to prophesy into your life that every conspiracy to stop you from fulfilling your destiny will never succeed in Jesus' name. Joseph eventually was arrested by his brothers, stripped of his coats, princely coat, thrown into a pit, put in chains, and sold to slavery. When they stripped him of his princely coat, they took his honor and glory from him. When they cast him into a pit, they sent him through the period of deep mystery and darkness. And finally, when they sold him out, they had sold their brother to slavery. They had traded his destiny and reduced a prince to a slave. Unknown to them that God will turn around all these challenges and use the accepting stone to take Joseph to the unimaginable height. So, it was a sunset in the early morning. No sooner had the sun risen on Joseph, shining brightly, showing as a star among stars, the dark clouds began to gather suddenly. There was a black sky over Joseph. That day was a black day. In a moment, like a nightmare, Joseph was stripped of his princely coat, put in chains. He found himself <clears throat> on the way to Egypt. Is this a dream? He tried to wake up out of the dream, but it was not a dream. It was a reality. His brothers had sold him out. Thus began his long trek through darkness. The sun of his glory and destiny had set in the morning. Yes, the sun had just risen at about 7 a.m. 
But by, before 9 a.m., the blackness of the sky has forced upon Joseph a sunset. He started to suffer. Egypt will become the home of his mystery until destiny will relocate him and bring him to the crown. Egypt will become the house of his pain, the place of his sorrow. So he went to Egypt against his will. It was a black moment. The star that was meant to be hosted in the sky had been thrown and trampled underfoot. Hear what they said in Genesis 37, 20-22. Came the dream and destroyed his destiny. They said, come together. Let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say some wild beasts as devoured him. We shall see what become of his dreams. But Reuben had it and said, shed no blood. Cast him into the pit. Maybe he will die by himself. How long will the wickedness of men be able to keep the sun from shining? And how long can men hold out against the plans of God? You are going to pray for the restoration of your destiny. If you are willing to pray, Stand up to pray now. Say, Father, deliver me from the oppression and dominion of every destiny hijacker in my family, in my community, and in my workplace in the name of Jesus. The destiny hijacker may be in your workplace. The destiny hijacker may be in your community. And the destiny hijacker may be in your family. For, just, for, for, for Jacob, it was Laban. So say, Father, deliver me from the oppression and dominion of every destiny hijacker in my family, in my community, in my workplace, in the name of Jesus. Prayer number two. Father, destroy every sickness, disease, or natural malady that the enemy is using to derail my destiny in the name of Jesus. Satan used barrenness repeatedly in Abraham's family lineage to stop their destiny. So say the prayer. Father, destroy every sickness, every disease, and every natural malady that the enemy is using to derail my destiny in the name of Jesus. Prayer number three. Father, scatter the plot of the wicked around me. Wicked siblings, wicked brothers, wicked friends, wicked colleagues. Father, scatter the plot of the wicked around me. Every plot to destroy my, my dream and destroy my destiny. Every, every plot to kill my dream and destroy my destiny. Father, destroy it in the name of Jesus. Prayer number four. Father, disperse every dark cloud of hate and wicked plots seeking to overturn my destiny. Father, every hatred that I'm facing, every dark cloud that I'm facing, Father, I ask you, disperse that cloud. Scatter it, overturn it in the name of Jesus. And final prayer in this lap. Lord, shorten my journey back to glory. Restore me speedily to my destiny in the name of Jesus. Father, shorten my journey back to glory. And restore me speedily to my destiny in the name of Jesus. I pray for you today that every plan of the enemy to hijack your destiny be destroyed. I command your restoration to begin. Have a divine connection and reconnection in the mighty name of Jesus. The brothers of Joseph sold him. And it dawned on them that they must have a story to tell their father because there will be search for Joseph. What will they tell their father? Concealing sin and evil can only be for a while. Genesis chapter 37, verse 31 to 33. Genesis 37, verse 31 to 33. They took Joseph's tunic, killed a kid of goats, and dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors. And they brought it to their father and said, we have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it and said, it is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn in pieces. Joseph is dead. What a conclusion. Based on seeming physical evidence. Desperate to conceal their wickedness. They quickly slaughtered a kid and smeared Joseph's colorful coat, priestly coat with the blood to ensure that Joseph will be dead and buried in the heart of Jacob and all the others. So Jacob mourned Joseph. But all the while, while Jacob was mourning and the other women and the other people in the house, 
in the hearts of those who plotted the slavery of Joseph. They had unending conflict and pounding voice of the conscience that could not be silenced. Every day their conscience pounded and every time they saw the subject of mourning, they knew that it was a lie that Joseph was dead. They lived with this conflict. They had a guilt complex. They had sleepless nights. For the next 20 years, they did not cease to hear the pleas and the cries of Joseph. When in agony, he was crying to them, please, my brothers, forgive me. Don't sell me. Please, my brothers, don't kill me. Don't sell me. They watched their father for 20 years, mourning. Each morning day, Jacob reawakened the guilt on their hearts. Every time they saw Jacob sorrowful, the guilt spoke in their hearts. How long can you silence the voice of truth or hold out against truth? For believers who are concealing truth and indulging in sin secretly, stop destroying yourself. The day came when they stood before Joseph and these same brothers, the ten of them, who are witnesses to his being sold into slavery, who are the evidence that they sold him into slavery. They stood before Joseph and they reported to Joseph that Joseph was dead. And when Joseph decided to arrest them and detain them for three days, and Joseph said to them, I fear God, I will have death hard with you. Now you say, your 11th brother is alive, go and bring him. I will detain one of you. Hear what they said in Genesis 42, 21 to 22. Genesis 42, 21 to 22, they said one to another. We are truly guilty concerning our brother. For we saw the anguish of his soul that day when he pleaded with us. And we will not hear. Therefore, look at it now. This distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them saying, Did I not tell you that day? When I said, do not sin against this boy. You will not listen. Therefore, behold, his blood is not required of us. Those of you in authority, be careful what you do to those who are under you. Fathers, be careful what you do to your children. Leaders, be careful what you do to your followers. Governors, be careful what you do to your subjects. Emirs, kings, rulers, be careful what you do to the innocent and to the helpless. Powerful people, advantaged people, rich people, be careful what you do. Because God will fight for that helpless person. Reuben said, didn't I tell you that day? Look at what we are suffering now. Three days detention, it has never happened to us. And it's on account of this boy. Yes, the concealment was brilliant and perfect. Joseph was seemingly dead in their hearts. But was well and alive in Egypt on his long and uneasy trek to power and glory. Kill the truth and bury it. Be sure that surely as Jesus rose from the dead after three days, the truth will rise again and overcome lies. While the kids slaughtered, provided the redemption that was required to be given to God in place of every firstborn, the blood of the kids spilled on Joseph's coat, provided the false evidence required for the death of Joseph in the heart of his father, Jacob. But the grim picture of an agonizing Joseph, pleading with his brothers not to be killed and not to be stolen into slavery, could not be erased from the hearts of these mischievous brothers for 20 years. I pray today that God will activate the conscience of all your oppressors and they will let you go in the name of Jesus Christ. How many of us are living with the heart-piercing arrows of self-deception and self-condemnation today? For Joseph, it was 13 years of servitude and imprisonment. But he was a prince caught in the quagmire of false of family squabbles, troubles and supremacy and rivalry. Whose seed was planted over 30 years ago when Leah was imposed on Jacob instead of Rachel for, mar for, for marriage. How long do you want to still conceal your evil and sinful deeds? How long do you still want to be self-pierced with the deadly arrows of guilt and falsehood? For how long do you want to be unable to sleep sweetly and deeply and enjoy your wealth? How long do you want to be unable to savor the sweetness of your meals? Or even unable to find the true and deep pleasure in your spouse because of concealed evil, sinful or deceitful lifestyles, 
How long will you be double dealing? Why don't you live honest life? Stop piercing yourself. Stop killing yourself slowly. Come through with yourself and find freedom today. The truth will set you free. Own up to the truth. John 8.32 says you will know the truth. You will accept the truth. You will embrace the truth and the truth will set you free. Whoever covers his sin shall not prosper. Anyone that confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. Let us stand up. I will lead in a prayer of repentance and reconciliation. Say with me. Oh Lord, deliver me from the plague of self-affliction. Oh Lord, deliver me from the plague of self-affliction with the guilt of concealed sins, unresolved conflicts, and deceitful living in the name of Jesus. Oh Lord, deliver me from the plague of self-affliction with the guilt of concealed sins, all resolved conflicts and deceitful living in the name of Jesus. Second prayer. Oh Lord, grant me the courage to own up to my wrongs and faults and to turn back to you in repentance and faith. Oh Lord, grant me the courage to own up to my, to my wrongs and faults and to turn back to you in repentance and faith. Prayer number three. Oh Lord, restore me to righteousness and holiness and deliver me from every backsliding. Oh Lord, restore me to righteousness and holiness. And deliver me from, from every backsliding. Prayer number four. Oh Lord, have mercy on me. And deliver me from the retributive consequences of my past sins. And do not remember the sins of my youth. Remember not the sins of my youth. Oh Lord, have mercy on me. And deliver me from the retributive consequences of my past sins. And do not remember the sins of my youth. In the name of Jesus. The final prayer on this lap. Oh Lord, grant me the courage to right the wrongs that I have done and grant me the boldness to step out and start a new life in righteousness and truth. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Glory be to God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we are going to move on. Enslaved and imprisoned, but not abandoned. Enslaved and imprisoned, but not abandoned. Yes, Joseph arrived in the land of slavery. It was Egypt. Genesis 39, verse 1 to 4. Genesis 39, 1 to 4. Now Joseph had been taken out of, taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, and the Egyptian bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him down there. The Lord, verse 2 says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in the sight of his master and served him. Then he made Joseph overseer of his house. And all that he had, he put under his authority. Let me just pause to ask you a question. Can God put all that he has under your authority and you will not abuse it? Can your boss put all his money, all the accounts under your authority and you will not abuse it? In verse 21 to 23, they lied on him and sent him to jail. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. He gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever they did there, it was Joseph doing it. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority. Because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. I pray for you that in all your trying moments, in all our trying moments, that the Lord would never leave us alone. No, not for a moment. I assure you. Walk in the fear of God. God will never leave you alone. In fact, in the midst of it all, he will always overwhelm you with his favor, his comfort, and his love. There are usually trying times. No matter how bright the sky is, there's always a spotty cloud. You want to pray now to recover and repossess your destiny. I know some of us listening to me, some of you listening to me are going through trying times. It's good for you to pray this prayer. Let's stand up to pray. Prayer number one. Father, overwhelm me with your presence. Shield me with your favor. That in all these trials, I will have the joy of your presence and glory in the name of Jesus. Father, overwhelm me with your presence. Shield me with your favor. That in all these trials that I'm facing, 
I will have the joy of your presence and glory in the name of Jesus. I know there was a time I faced, I faced rejection in my life. I felt all alone. Trusted people turned their backs on me and I felt alone. But in those times, what I observed is that whenever I went out to preach, whenever I went out to do anything, the presence of God was so mighty, great miracles were happening. And that gave me joy. And I always say that even people, though people have abandoned me, God is still with me. Prayer number two. Father, recover my stolen glory and restore me to glory and honor in the name of Jesus. Father, help me recover my stolen glory and restore me to glory and honor in the name of Jesus. Prayer number three. Oh Lord, deliver me from every man-made pit dug to swallow my destiny. Frustrate every plot of the enemy to terminate, to terminate my destiny in the name of Jesus. Father, deliver me from every man-made pit that has been dug to swallow up my destiny. Frustrate every plot of the enemy to terminate my destiny in the name of Jesus. Prayer number four. Father, redeem my destiny from the hand of those to whom it has been sold. Father, redeem my destiny as you redeem the destiny of Joseph from the hand of Potiphar. Take me out of servitude and restore me to dominion in the name of Jesus. How will God deliver Joseph from the hand of Potiphar? He prayed. And the final prayer on this lap. Father, turn around my present situation and make these challenges stepping stones for me to reach an unimaginable height of glory. Oh God, turn around my present situation and turn these challenges to stepping stones for me so that I can reach a great height of glory. Far greater than I would have attained in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray today, turn around the situation of all these your children and take them to heights greater than they can ever imagine. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How did Joseph fulfill his destiny? In spite of all this persecution, I will give you the key points. Make the best of every situation you find yourself. If you look at the story of Joseph, as you read Genesis chapter 37, chapter 39, chapter 40, chapter 41, chapter 42, never resort to negative emotions. Make the best of every situation you find yourself. Get out of depression. Joseph was not musing in self-pity. He was not sorrowing, murmuring, and complaining. No, no. There's no record for that. Attitudes that have no positive, that add no positive values to you should not be your attitude. Attitudes that have no positive values cannot make the required change. So why do you start crying when crying cannot change anything? Why do you start sorrowing? Why do you start murmuring when murmuring cannot change anything? So make the best of every situation you find yourself in. So in making the best, Avoid negative emotions. Number two, under making the best, never surrender to circumstances. Joseph did not concede to living like a slave. Rather, he braced himself to work like a proprietor or owner, ensuring the profitability and growth of whatever business he is handling, retaining his priestly posture. So Joseph came in as a slave, but he said, men can make slaves, but I will not make myself a slave. They have put on me the tag of a slave but I will not be a slave. So Joseph walked like a prince. He walked like the business was his own. The man committed the whole business to him. Use, number three, use every opportunity to showcase your worth. You see, Joseph was going to show them in Potiphar's house, I am not a slave. I am a prince. He used the opportunity to showcase his own worth and value. Men can call you a slave, but you can prove your worth as, you, as a king by your conduct. The garment imposed on you should not be allowed to define you. You do not have to answer to the negative name and appellation that the world is sticking on you. No! They can call you a failure, but prove your worth as a success. Don't be a failure. You can, by your own attitude and conduct, give yourself the name you want. They can say you are good for nothing. They told me that, that I will achieve nothing in life. But my achievements, in the eyes of the very people who said I will achieve nothing, the day they saw it, their hearts sank. Number four, 
create your own happiness. Joseph always found a way of making himself happy. It takes a happy man to work successfully. He was not, he was not sad. He was not a sadist. Create your own happiness in the midst of these unfortunate situations that he found himself. Joseph made himself happy. He, therefore, he excelled in every assignment he was given to handle. The depression from the unfortunate developments around him did not overwhelm him. No, 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 no. He remained focused, living as if all, is, all was well. And in this way, everything became well. The next quality of Joseph, Joseph was honest and trustworthy in all his dealings. Be honest and trustworthy in all your dealings. I want to ask you, if I hand over all my accounts for you to manage, if I hand over all the key business, if a wealthy man like Bill Gates comes to you and says, look, I want you to manage my estate and I want to go to sleep. I learned you a trustworthy man. Will you abuse that opportunity? And they said, we are not even going to audit you. Nobody was auditing Joseph. Joseph was so honest, reliable, dependent, and trustworthy. The man he served in every situation committed all they had into his hand and nothing was ever missing. Nothing was ever misplaced or misappropriated. They all had one attitude in relating to Joseph. They all had one comment. They had one conclusion. Hand over to Joseph and go and sleep. The thing will come out better than you left it with him. Can God trust you? And can men trust you completely? Can I hand over to you and say, look, I'm not going to audit your account. Can we find such Christians today? May God make you one of such Christians. May God make me one. So Joseph, what was his secret of being honest and trustworthy? He walked in the fear of God and kept his commandments. Joseph, the police man watching over Joseph was the fear of God. Joseph feared God. That was the guiding influence. He feared God so much that he knew that anything he did, God would reward him. That was the restraining force. He never stole. He never abused freedom. Of, he never abused the office. He never abused power. He never took advantage of the vulnerable. His master's wife was vulnerable. She was weak. She placed herself at Joseph's disposal. Yet, Joseph maintained his integrity. He said, no, I will not touch you. He called the pleasure of sin willfully offending by his master's wife. Great evil. See, I won't do this great evil. In whose sight is this sin great evil? And when he was blackmailed, he surrendered to the will of God and gladly headed to the prison than to swallow, than to swallow in the pit of deadly pleasure. He said, I'm better off in prison than sleeping with a woman. That is not my wife. The fear of God was Joseph's major asset. Do you fear God? Number three, Joseph was full of wisdom. The fear of God was the foundation for his wise dealings. It was the basis for divine inspiration and incorruptible wisdom. Joseph was endowed with great wisdom by God. And he kept that wisdom pure, uncorrupted by his disposition to the fear of God. Today, the world is full of brilliant but foolish professors, great money merchants bound in folly, and great politicians turned insane by their unwillingness to retain God in their knowledge. They say there is no God. They are very brilliant. Very, very brilliant. Look at the brilliant display of the brothers of Joseph. They killed a goat, splashed the blood on, the, on, on Joseph's coat, and presented it. Jacob concluded, Joseph was dead. What a brilliant one, but they were foolish. They did not know there would be a day of reckoning. Finally, Joseph was full of faith. Joseph was full of faith. No, that's not the final one. He was full of faith. Joseph never gave up. He was always looking out for a legitimate opportunity to be restored to freedom and to his lost family and glory. He never gave up. See, in Genesis chapter 40, verse 14 to 15, he told the minister that was to be restored to office, he said, Remember me when it is well with you and show me kindness. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. For indeed, I was stolen from the land of the Hebrews and also I have done nothing, nothing wrong to be condemned and sent to prison here. In chapter 41, verse 14, the day came when Pharaoh would take him out. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. He shaved and changed his clothing and came to Pharaoh. He never gave up on his dream. 
He always had that dream in focus. The dream of the excellent star before which all the other stars will bow. Even the sun and the moon will bow before it. However, he waited for that day. He always believed that one day, one day he will see his father again. One day he will see his loved ones. One day he will have his freedom. And that day came. It was the day of a new beginning. Long awaited. When Pharaoh sent for him, his gift had made room for him. The night was truly long. 13 years of suffering. 13 years of slavery. Finally, the dawn of joy was approaching. His case had been tendered before Pharaoh. Pharaoh will hear his case. The court of heaven has tried him. Satan also has tried him. And Joseph was not found wanting. Yes, the depression of slavery could not strip him of his kingly disposition. Neither could the blackmail of being a rapist make him to despair of life. No, he held his shoulder high. The seduction and offer of free sex could not dispossess him of his virtue and glory. Neither could the humiliation of imprisonment make him give up on his faith. No, he never gave up on his dream. He still held family to hope in the face of utter hopelessness. That one day and very soon, he, Joseph, will be on his way to freedom and glory. And now the day has come. Joseph was a gifted and well-endowed interpreter of dreams. It was this gift that made room. Pharaoh said to him in Genesis 41, verse 15 to 16, I have heard that there is no, that there is no one who can... I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have also heard it said that you can understand a dream and interpret it. So Joseph answered and said to Pharaoh, saying, It is not in my power. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Ah, your gift and endowment will make room for you and give you the key to greatness. It was Joseph's gift of being able to interpret dreams that brought him to the place where he was. But your character and virtue will preserve and keep you at the top. Joseph was humble. See what he said. He said, no, God will give you the interpretation. Humility and giving glory to God are both required for unusual promotion and staying promoted. Joseph had both. He was humble and he was glorifying God. Joseph never shared God's glory. He made sure that God was always honored. And finally, the seventh one, Joseph was filled with the Holy Spirit. After Pharaoh listened to Joseph, hear what he said in chapter 41, verse 38. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find another man like this man in whom is the Spirit of God? They said, No, sir. Then Joseph said to Joseph, in as much as God has shown you all this, there's no one as discerning as wise as you. Joseph was distinguished by the Holy Spirit. Pharaoh had no option but to engage Joseph at the highest level of governance. The testimony of Joseph's years of excellent performance and trustworthiness, both in the house of Potiphar and in the king's prison, has paid off. His hard work and selflessness have all come to the fore. And now, there was a unanimous agreement in Pharaoh's cabinet, that there cannot be found anyone as wise as Joseph in all of Egypt to handle the king's business. No one else has the spirit of God like Joseph. So Joseph was made excellently wise by the Holy Spirit and the fear of God. He consistently listened to the Holy Spirit and walked consistently in the fear of God. So Joseph entered into his new beginning. For lo, the winter for Joseph is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers of Joseph's glory are beginning to appear and the time of singing has come. The voice of the turtle dove is heard on the land. The fig tree is putting forth her figs. And now the vine with the tender grapes give a good smell. It's time for Joseph. It's time for Joseph to shine. Do not remember the former things. Forget the days of suffering. Forget the days of imprisonment. Forget the days of blackmail. Behold, God is doing a new thing. Now it's springing forth in the life of Joseph. Shall we not know it? It is sunrise at last. Sunrise at last. Pharaoh said, can we find such a man like this? Then he said, you shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in this throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put gold chain around his neck and made him to ride in the second chariot which he had and they cried before him bow the knee out of the pit 
I'm free from the chains. The prize, the prince has put on the prison garment. He is clean, shaven. He's out of prison, never to return there again. The night is over. The winter is gone forever. And the flowers are now blossoming. And the birds are beginning to sing. They were singing for joy. Joseph is full of smiles. They found a wife for him. They settled him. He woke up a prisoner, but went to bed a prince that day. He woke up in the prison, but he went to bed in the palace. And now, when we come back on Sunday, I will tell you, what are those things that Joseph did that sustained him in power and glory for the next 70 years? When the dream killers came and stood before Joseph and did not know, Joseph was already wearing his crown for seven years before they discovered him. I dare to say to you, I don't know how long you've been in this winter period, but your day has come. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that your word of encouragement that has come to us today will power the hearts of your people in the name of Jesus. I pray that this new destiny shall be born. Oh God, put an end to the dark periods of your people's life. Put an end to the hijacking of their destinies. Put an end to the derailment of their destiny. And restore everyone to his or her destiny. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Glory be to God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.